What is Logbimer? How do we know it's the Rajvi's yard site? Why do the academics really hate this Yamtov? I'm Avi Cohen. I'm Mati Cohen. And this is Jewish Thought Flow. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Jewish Thought Flow. This is your host, Avi Cohen. So before we get started here, I wanted to briefly introduce what we mean by the academic. We talk about a lot in our podcast. In fact, the whole academic way of approaching topics, especially Jewish topics, was the the genesis of our podcast is the reason why we wanted to get the podcast started. So academics are a, a, it's a loose used term for a branch of Jews who write top, write on topics in Judaism and they use the academic method. So they're printed in academic journals, um, even Jewish journals that are meant for academic method type learning. Uh, so the academic method uses a lot of secular sources it uses Jewish sources in a slightly different way than you're probably accustomed to in regular yeshiva learning. Um, and there's a general pattern to all their conclusions. They hate Haredim, and they, they hate real from people. So all their articles are trying to bash things that are uniquely Haredi. Um, they also generally hate things that are holy. So they'll spend a lot of time attacking Kabbalah as being authentic Judaism. They are also generally very aligned with modern values. Therefore, they'll spend their time attacking why from women are not in magazines or why slavery isn't really a Jewish thing or any one of the topics that we have discussed till now. One of their favorite targets when we get to this time of the year is Lag Beimer. Uh They obviously hold it's one of those fake holidays that was only recently turned into a Kabbalistic thing. Um, and just like the rest of Kabbalah, it's a made-up uh, inclusion into our religion. So, you know, growing up when you encountered these academic arguments, so they, on the surface, they seem good. They have a lot of sources. It seems like they're covering things that you've never heard of, which is true. You probably not have never heard of them, but when you actually go look at the sources, you'll realize that these sources were already spoken about throughout our tradition within the regular Torah way of learning. Um, and also what you'll find is that academics consistently misrepresent sources easily misunderstand sources, and I would even tend to say are downright dishonest in their representation of sources. So whenever you see an academic article, don't be afraid. If you can't go through it yourself, ask somebody who you think is competent enough to go through it, and he'll show you the mistakes that are right there on the surface, and we're going to do that by their discussion about Log Bohemer. Okay, so let's start with the name, Log Bohemer. So Log is Lamed Gimel Bohemer. It's the 33rd day of the Eimer. It's nothing to do with a piece of wood. Right, although the fire, is, some people suggest, is sourced in that log. So the counting of the 49 days is after you bring the Omer offering, uh, you would count up 49 days until the offering of the Lachme Toda, or the, the, uh, the Toda breads, which falls out right around Shavuos, or on Shavuos. That's the, that's the offering of Shavuos. You know, people a lot of times assume Sphira has to do with Harsinai, and it really, let's say on the surface, doesn't. The Sphira period, Sphira's Omer, the mitzvah of counting Omer, is strictly related uh, the the counting the distance between your Omer offering you bring right after Pesach and the Shavuos offering of the Lach Mitodo you bring on Shavuos. But it got even further confused because now the entire Jewish world is accustomed to having signs of mourning during this entire period, or half the period. We'll get into that a little bit more. But that is mourning the students of Rebbe Akiva, the 24,000 students of Rebbe Akiva who all died during this period. This is from a Gemara Nivamas. 62b, which says that from uh, from Pesach until Shavuos, basically, the 24,000 students died. They died because they didn't show proper respect for each other. 
Um, and that is why we are Nagavelas. That's why we have mourning during this period. Now, because they happen to fall out during the same time, a lot of people think that, oh, Sirius Imer, that's when you have this morning that they're kind of linked. They really have nothing to do with each other. One's a Duraisa, one's a Minhug, which came about much later during the, the second century when this uh, story happened. Right. So and I, the, perhaps the earliest uh, source for the tradition or the Minhug of Avelis during the Omer is actually from a, a Chuvas Gayanim. So the Gayanim, again, for those who are not familiar, were um, right after the Gemara. Uh, there was a short period known as the Rabbanan Savarai, and then there were the Goanim, Go- Goanim, who were pretty much the bridge between the Gemara and the Rishinim. Now, these Goanim, one of them was Rav Netroi Gain, and he wrote a tshuva saying that shortly after the morning, uh, shortly after the death of the students Rabbi Kiva, there was this custom that originated from that point on to observe mourning during that period. So that's why we don't listen to music, we don't get a haircut, we don't shave. Uh, and all that fun stuff. Right, that's also mentioned by Rav Shriragon. Uh Some people attribute that to Rav Haigon. A lot of times they get confused because they're father and son, and their letters were often uh, mixed up who they're coming from. But uh, both those Gainim are saying that this custom originated in the 2nd century when the story happened. So although these customs aren't necessarily universally binding, we see that the Rambam didn't bring them down, it's clearly a tradition that presumably the Rambam knew about because he had access to the Gainim's works. And nowadays, it seems to be universal uh, to be holding of this mourning period. Well, it's brought in Shulchan Aruch that these are the way we have to act during these days. The point we brought uh, about the Rambam is that, unlike Spheris Eimer, which is a derives about kind of the Omer and is obviously in the Rambam, this whole idea of the Avelis really has nothing to do with that, and that's why it's not linked with any of those mitzvahs. They just happen to die during that period. So now let's get to Logbimer. So the 33rd day of this counting, it's brought down in Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah, that you're not supposed to be Nayag Avelis. You're not supposed to have these signs of mourning on the 33rd day or possibly the 34th day. So where does this come from? So the earliest source we have of this is found in the Machser Vitri. The Machser Vitri was a Rishon. He wrote a, a sitter with a lot of, a uh, lot of, lot of commentary. And a lot of halachas we find, especially in the Ashkenazi uh, culture, are coming from the Machser Vitri. Um, so he refers to Logbaimer as uh, a, basically a yumtiv, And he points out that Logbaimer and Purim always fall on the same day of the week, and he brings a, a, a pasuk, I think in Nayach, which says, um, it's something about Peleg, and he says Peleg is, is Pei is Purim, and Leg, Lamed Gimel is Lag, and, and it's a hint that they always fall on the same day. So that's the earliest source we have of this concept that there is such a thing as Lag Bimer. But he doesn't, he doesn't mention the reason. Right. So the reason, the first occurrence of the reason, or the known reference, uh, is found in a Sefer Manig, Sefer HaManig, of Rav Avram ben Nosan Hayarhi, or probably Yahi, you know, composed in Toledo in 1204. That's not Toledo, Ohio, that's Toledo, Spain. Uh, 1204, so again, he was an early Rishon. Now, prior to composing this work, Rav Avram did his research. He used to travel around and explain all the Jewish customs that he came into contact with. Now, he said, the reason why people are lenient to marry Magbomer, even though we don't marry the whole Sears Omer, is because these students of Rebbe Kiva stopped dying on that day. Now, this is based on a Gersa that is quoted by the Balamar, which says they stopped dying prus la tzeres, which literally means half or a piece to a tzeres, half to a tzeres. So now, half is half a month. Now, half a month is 15 days. So that would refer to 15 days before a tzeres. Prus la tzeres means a half to a tzeres. Assumably, the unit is a month. So a half a month for a terrace, they stopped dying. 
Atzeres, Shavuos is 49 days, 15 days earlier would be the, fifth, the 34th day of the Omer. Now, as we mentioned, the Gemara, the Gersa in our Gemara, the text in our, our Gemara that we have, says that they died from Pesach all the way till Atzeres. Now, he's saying that that was uh, the Balamar, uh, Arishan in the 1100, and he had a text which said that they actually stopped dying pro-Slatzeres, as Avi explained. Now, the question is, obviously, well, according to the math that we have, 49 minus 15 equals 34, not 33. So where does the 33 come from? So just to give you a glimpse into how these academics think, so this was an article which had most of the information uh, that they could compile on Logmimer showing how uh, they thought that the, it wasn't well-sourced. So they said, why do Reb Zacharia and Reb Avram, Reb Zacharia is a Balamor and Reb Avram is the Sefer Ammonic, uh, uh, Sefer, yeah, Sefer Ammonic, which we quoted earlier. So why did they not mention this mathematical difficulty of 49 minus 15 being 34 instead of 33? I can only suggest that the leniency of marrying from the 33rd day onwards was viewed as very puzzling. When either Reb Zacharia or Reb Avram came up with this explanation, he probably viewed it as a major accomplishment, even though it was off by one day, <laughs> which is which is just fantastic. It's like... Well, yeah, this is how this is how the Rishonim work. It's like even if the math doesn't work out, it's like, well, I'm very proud of myself for coming up with this terrible explanation. It's also not even like complicated math. It's literally arithmetic. It's just 49 minus 15. Like it's not so complicated. And if it's not a good reason, then it's not a good reason. They wouldn't have been like, oh, this is such an exciting reason that doesn't work out. We're just gonna push it through, even though it doesn't work out. So like. I can only imagine the academics think this is the way it is because maybe that's how they think. Like, they push through theories all the time that, you know, have tons of questions just because they're excited they came up with something to publish. But, I mean, this is obviously not how, you know, good thinkers work. They're not going to push through an answer that has an obvious flaw of being off a day. Not only that, he wasn't – these academics are not the first ones to notice that 49 minus 15 is not 33, that it's 34. This is the base Yasef's question. The base Yasef himself asks – Seemingly, according to this reason, we should stop our mourning period on the 34th day, not the 33rd day. And in fact, based on this, he actually says we do stop mourning on the 34th. Now, the Baralacha, who's an actual thinker, unlike these academics, he answers a question pretty simply. He says, well, there's a machlokas, whether these, what these 15 days mean. doesn't mean that for 15, there's 15 complete days where absolutely no one died, which means that the last day people were dying was the 33rd. In other words, 33rd was the last day that they were dying, so that's a reason to celebrate. Or do you say, no, that the 15th the fifteenth day before was when they stopped dying, which would be the 34th day they stopped dying. And because Mixus Yom Kukula, because some of the day is like the whole day, we celebrate the entire 34th day, which is what the Beis Yosef says. I think you could even uh, make the Mechlekes even smaller and say everybody agrees that they stopped dying on the 33rd. The question is, do you need a full day of no death to start the celebration, or does the day they stopped dying already allow you to start a celebration. So if they stop dying on the 33rd day, it's okay to start the celebration on the 33rd day based on the known halachic rule that mixas hayom kakulai, that even a portion of a day can count as a full day. This comes up a lot of times in counting for anida um, and different halachas where even a portion of a day counts as one full day in halacha. Now this next source that we're going to bring is from the Meiri, who died in 1316. So this is a very early source. But the reason we're bringing it in now is because he actually quotes this uh, celebration of Lag Baimer as being earlier has been found in the Gaonim's time, right? So the first two sources we have are from the Rishonim. But the Meiri says that this is a Kabbalah biyat HaGaonim. This is a tradition already from the times of the Gaonim that Rabbi Kiva's students stopped dying on the 33rd day of the Eimer. Now, the Meiri had no access to Sefer Ammonic, so it's not like he was quoting Sefer Ammonic. He clearly had his own tradition. And he's tracing it back all the way to the Gaonim. Now, 
it's unclear whether the Gainim he's referring to is the Gainim as we refer to the time period between basically the Savarayim, the, the end of the Gemara's time until the Rishainim, which is about from 500 to 1000. Or he, when he uses the word Gainim, it just means the, you know, the, I don't know, the geniuses, the great, the great people of the tradition. Um, one reason to suggest that he might not have actually meant Gainim is that we don't find in the Gainim's work any mention of Logbimer. And in fact, we find kind of the opposite that it was observed as a, a fast day or bad as a, a negative day, not a day of celebration during the times of the Gainim. Because it was, they were commemorating the death of Yeshua that died on the 18th of year, which is also when uh, Logbimer falls out. Uh, so these these sources are mentioned in some of the Payatanim, the uh, people who wrote the, the poets, poets, the poets, I guess, the poets, uh, they mention that this day. So again, they don't mention it as a holiday, they mention it as a fast day, they don't mention it as anything to do with the students dying. So it is possible when the Mary said Gonim, he just meant the masters or the, the wise people of, of yore, not specifically the Gonic period. So up till now, we really have no sources of a celebration of Logmimer. We just have a stopping of the Avelos, a stopping of the morning, because the people you're mourning for stopped dying at this point. Right, so then it's not really a contradiction that the Miri said it's a kapala in the hands of the Gainim, that they stopped dying on the 34th day, yet we don't find, or the 33rd day, yet we don't find in the Gonim them saying that Logmimer was a holiday, because it could be Logmimer wasn't a yomtov per se, it was just the day they stopped keeping the men of Avelos, because if the they started the Avelos... Uh, custom after the death of the students of Rebbe Kiva, and the Gemara is telling us, according to that Gersa, that the students of Rebbe Kiva died, stopped dying on the 33rd day, then de facto the custom of mourning would stop on the 33rd or 34th day. And even if you go with the the Miri who had a Kabbalah that they stopped dying on the 33rd day, that doesn't mean you wouldn't have a fast day on 18th of year. It just means you don't keep the Minhagim of mourning past the 33rd day. Right. But at some point it did become a celebration and we can see this from the Rama who in the 1500s was already saying that on this day we're Neuheg, we have the, the custom to have an extra Marbim Basimcha, we have an extra happiness on this day. Uh, now, that is kind of interesting and the, the Gra and others ask, why do we celebrate people stopping dying? As, you know, as Avi just mentioned, it would seem to be, okay, we could stop mourning, but why would we celebrate people stopping dying? I mean, in, in other words, there was a punishment. The punishment ran its course. Do you celebrate the end of a punishment? Is that something that normally happens? So the Gress says, yeah, we actually do have a precedent for stopping the end of a punishment. And that's in an exact similar situation where the, the Mesei Midbar, the, uh, the Jews stopped dying. They were dying in the Midbar, the entire generation. And when they stopped dying, we have a celebration at the end of that. That is the day of Tubov. Right. So the Gemara is actually, the, yeah, it's the last mission in Tainus actually says that there's no Yom Taifim Bisrael. Uh, like Yom Kippur and Tuba of. And the Gemara, one of the reasons given the Gemara for why Tuba of was such a holiday was that the Gezerah of the Mesei Midbar ended. The death in the Midbar ended on the 15th day because basically they would gather in their graves on the 9th and everybody would die to the 15th. Once the 15th hit and they passed most of the, most of the month, everybody who didn't die would then get out of the grave. That last year when nobody died in the grave and we got already past the 15th, they said, oh, must be the Gezerah's over. They established that 15th day of celebration. So we do have precedent that the cessation of a punishment can actually turn into a celebration. It means we're forgiven. Yeah, the Prichadosh takes this in a, in a slightly different way. And he explains that the reason we're celebrating is not because the 24,000 people stopped dying, but because five new students. And these students were going to be Marba, Tyra, to entire Klal Yisrael for generations. And one of those students was, was Rosh Hashanah. And the Berchayosef explains that this was the day the Rashbi got smicha. 
that Rav Shem got smicha on Lag Bimer, and that's one of the reasons we celebrate. The final solution offered by a German scholar. The Archa Shulchan, is he German? Whatever, I did it for the joke. Um, so the Archa Shulchan says, and this is the reason that most of you might have heard, and you'd probably be surprised why this hasn't been mentioned yet, and the reason is, as we're going to explain, is that it's kind of a late reason mentioned, is that the Rajbi died on this day. This is the day of Rabbi Shimbar Yacha's yard site, which is why we have these giant celebrations in Meron, where thousands, hundreds of thousands of Jews from all around the world traveled to his kever, to his grave, to dive in there, and to be Marben Simcha on this great day. It's of called his death. the the day of the Hilula of Rajbi, the Yain Hilula, the Reb Shimon Bar Yechai. Hilula really means celebration, but by the Rajbi, we're going to see that the celebration is actually referencing his death. The Archdiocese also mentioned that perhaps this is also the day he left the cave on. So, if you know, in Shabbos Lamed Gimel Lamed Beis, the Rajbi had to hide in the cave because the Romans were trying to kill him. Now he left that cave twelve years later on a certain day. Archdiocese saying that day was Lag Beimer. So where he probably always wanted to join the celebrations at Meron. <laughs> got it early. Now this is where the academics get their bow ties all up in a bunch. They absolutely hate, abhor the idea of a yumtov celebrating not only somebody's death but the Ripshim Bar Yachai, who is the the father of Kabbalah, having written the Zohar. Now this again is a fact that they hate because they don't like to say Ripshim Bar Yachai wrote the Zohar. They hold he didn't write the Zohar. Not only that. They hold Kabbalah in general is a made-up inclusion into our religion. Therefore, the day celebrating the Rajbi's death, which sourced in Kabbalah, and being a day where we go to his grave and light fires, which are, again, more Kabbalistic ideas, make the academic very uncomfortable, especially since he has to attend his yearly academic retreat, where they'll laugh at him if Jews are found doing something so silly as dancing around a grave. Now, this topic is, is so much fun as just a study into the academic method. And, and we're going to show you because we're going to start out with uh, there's been like three articles. Um, most of them are based off this one article from this one academic where he gathered every source he could, every source in Logbeimer to show how nobody mentions it's the Rashbi's yard site. That's an idea that was made up in the 1800s. We're going to go through that right now. And then we're going to show you the fallacy in the academic mind. We find that the Rizal and the Talmidei Arizal, his students, would go to Meron, to the, the Rav Shem Kever, on Lag Ba'imer, to celebrate, some sort of celebration. Rav and Ibeshitz, another uh, victim of the academic scorn, and really Rav Yaakov Emden was the first person to accuse him of being a Sabbatean, a, a Talmud of Shabzai Tzvi. He went absolutely Ibeshitz when he heard about this. <laughs> so he writes in the Yaris Devash that, uh, Rip Shimbrayachai did die on Lag Beimer. The Balatanya also writes this, Rip Tzadakakayan, and the Archashulchan, as we already mentioned, they all say that Rip Shimbrayachai died on Lag Beimer. And his yard site is actually what we are celebrating. But where does this come from? But all of these sources are from the early 1800s, late 1700s. Do we have any earlier sources? Where does that come from? So we have a quote from Rip Chaim Vital found in the Priets Chaim. Now, Rechaim Vital was the main Talmud of the Rizal, so most of the Rizal's actions and Minhagim and Taira comes through, or vis-a-vis, Rechaim Vital. Right, so he, he quotes a story um, of a certain person who, who would say Nachim on the day of Lag Ba'imer, and Rav Shembriach got very upset of it, and he appeared to the Rizal, presumably in a dream of some sort, and said, how dare this person say Nachim, which is a sad thing, on the day of my Simcha. Now, Rav Chaim Vital concludes there, Vatam, the reason why he got upset, Rav Shem got upset that this guy was saying Nachim on Lagbeimer, was Shemes Rajbi Bayan Lagbeimer, that Rajbi died on the day of Lagbeimer, and he was one of Tamidim Rav Bikiva, etc. 
So this seems to be an earlier source that Ripshin Baryachai died on Lag Baimer. And in fact, this is the source that's quoted by a lot of these other sources as this is how we know the Rizal did this, and this is how we know the Rizal held with the Yartzeit, because Reb Chaim Vital writes this story in period of time. How dare you say Nachem on my day of Simcha, and why was it a day of Simcha? Because that's the day that Rabbi Kiva, that, that Rishim Baruchai died on. But here's where it gets fun. Because in Shara Kavanis, from Reb Chaim Vital again, which was printed in 1750, the same story appears. And there... It says Sameach, that it was the day not Shemes, Shin Mem Tuf, but Shin Mem Ches. Sameach, well, I guess Sin Mem Ches, that he was happy the day of the Reb Shem Simcha, not the day of his death. Now, not only that, this also appears in the first edition of the Pre Yitzchayim, meaning an earlier edition of the Pre Yitzchayim. Also, in a later edition of the Pre Yitzchayim, post the one, the one that has the mistake, it also again reads Sameach. So it seems like Sameach is the accurate text. Now, if you're lacking the word Shemes, seemingly, at least in the mind of the academic, we have now lost our source that Rav Shemarchai died on Lag Ba'imer. And because all these later sources are quoting the pre Chaim, so it seems like it's all based on a mistake. And it's not just academics coming in and saying, oh, this seems to be a mistake based on different variants we found in different Genizas. The Chida himself, who's an, an, an incredible Kabbalist, much of our Kabbalah that we have is based on... So he writes in the, in the Mars Ayan, which is printed in 1805, that the Priest Chaim is full of mistakes, and this statement regarding Lag Baimer and Shemes, Reb Shem is one of the mistakes, because it, it should have said Sameach. So now, funnily enough, the Chida in his work, Berchi Yosef, which was printed earlier writes that the Rajbi died on Lag Baimer. But he also writes that this statement from the pre Chaim was an error, and in fact wrote Sameach, not Shemes. Now this should be getting your, your bells ringing, that maybe Shemes, Sameach, even if they're different words, might be referring to the same thing. And just because one is a mistake and it meant to say Sameach, maybe that still means it's the day that he died. Now, in the academic's mind, this means the Chidah concluded it was not a reference to the Rajvi's day of death, even though he never corrected uh, that claim in the work to Berchi Yosef. Also, even though the Chidah claims this was a printing error, none of the later sources retracted their quote or refused to quote this piece as a source for the day of Rajvi's death. Now, I wonder if there is any reference to Rajvi's death day being a day of Simcha. I wonder where would one even look to find such connection, because if one can connect the day of Simcha to the day of death, seemingly we'd answer our puzzle. So just to recap, we have a bunch of people saying that it's the day of his death. Earlier, we have a bunch of people saying it's the day of his Simcha, and that goes all the way back to the Rizal as the reason for the celebrations at the gravesite of Rishon Bar Yechai. Now, interestingly, the academics are perfectly happy saying it's the day of a simcha without giving a reason why it's the day of his simcha. It just says, oh, it's the day of a simcha. That's fine. Weirdly enough, though, in Kabbalistic literature, we actually do have the day of his death being called the day of a simcha. Now, once you call the day of his death the day of a simcha, any reference to it being the day of a simcha, unless you have another source explaining where another day of a simcha is, which I haven't seen, the day of a simcha would be referring to the day of his death. Now, if we could find such a connection, that would explain, for example, why the Chidah says he died in Lagbaimer, but says the Priyot Chaim is a mistake and should say Sameach, because Sameach and Shemes are interchangeable. But the mistake is really very egregious by the academics, because if you look at Lagbaimer, everybody calls it Yaim Hilula Derajbi. Even in Archasholchan, it's called Yaim Hilula Derajbi, the means, day of his simcha. Yeah. 
a party. So you already have in the literature these Akhrainim clearly using party and death as interchangeable. And we're going to see why specifically by Rosh Hashim death do we celebrate it as opposed to mourn it and why it is considered a day of Simcha. But this connection was not hard. And wouldn't you know where we found this magical source linking the day of death to the day of Simcha? Well, maybe it's the retelling of the day of death itself in the Zayar. Right, so when, when the Zayar is describing Rosh Hashim death, all of his Talmudim were gathered around his bedside, and he says... Basically, thank you for gathering around me on the day of my Simcha. Now, the part of Zohar where this is found is called Idra Zuta, which comes at the end of Parshas Devarim, if you look at the Zohar. Now, you might find that piece fascinating enough to answer our problem, but there's a later piece right at the end of Idra Zuta, which is even more fascinating. And that piece says the story of Rishimrechai's burial, because after he died, people were fighting over him because everybody wanted him to be buried in their town. It's a big schuss to have a tzaddik buried in your town. So the desire states as follows, a nace occurred, and the deathbed was lifted on its own, so people wouldn't be fighting over it, and a pillar of fire, now there's that fire, pillar of fire surrounded it, so no one approached the deathbed, and the bed buried itself in Meron. And as the bed was lifted, a voice was heard, saying, this is the compromise, everyone will come gather at his kever on his Yom Hilula. So again, we have an explicit mention of a minug to go gather at his kever on the day of his hilula, which is the day of his death, as we saw earlier in Idrizuta. So if these academics are looking for this magical link of the Rajbi to Lagbaimer, because the only link they have is the Rajbi's day of Simcha to Lagbaimer, why wouldn't you look at desire on the day of his death and see how that's described? Why would you not pay attention to the fact that everybody who said he died in Lagbaimer is also describing his Day of Simcha. Right. And a lot, a lot of the sources that uh, we found came from this article called The Mysterious Origin of Lagbimer. And it's actually been rewritten pretty much every year when he finds new sources. And he's trying to find new sources to try to find where, where does this come from? And Avi and I literally took us, how long? About seven minutes to find this source? And it's such an obvious connection. He's like, oh, it says Simcha, not death. Not only did he not have the intellectual honesty and integrity to try to figure out, well, when is this day of Simcha? He didn't even see the source, which is quoted in pretty much any Hasidic Sefer that you see, is quoted this link, or any, any more modern one, quoted this link between the Zer saying that the day of his Simcha is the day of his death. And that's why, unless they're really stupid, I think they're being dishonest. Because again, they have an agenda. They don't want you to hold that these holy things are true or in our tradition. So they have an agenda at hiding it for you. So when you're reading an article, you're like, oh, well, there really is no source. Just do a teeny bit of research. I guarantee you they're lying to you. And you see here, there's absolutely no excuse that they wouldn't have looked at the Zayhar of all places, describing the day of Rajbi's death for clues as if his death is on Lagbaimer. The claim. There's just absolutely no way any honest intellectual thinker would not go there. That's the first place I looked. <laughs> so now we could tie all this together. So it seems we have basically three uh, main reasons why we celebrate Lagbaimer, which correspond to three time periods almost in Judaism. Right? You have the early Rishinim, who seem to be saying, and even through the early Achrenim, all say that the reason is because the students stopped dying at this time, and there's different reasons why that's celebratory. Then you have at the early stage of Kabbalah where we talk about it being the day of the Simcha of Ripshem Bar Yochai. That's the reason on this Talmudim going to the grave. And then you have around the 17, late 1700s, it's already being celebrated as his yard site. Now again, we already established that those are the same day, but I think the focus was different. Originally, they made sure to point out it's the game of his Simcha, and then we switched it to the aim of his yard But I'm not sure that he's going to switch because we still call it 
the Halula de Rajbi. Maybe they just say explicitly that it was the day of his death. Right. And I want to offer maybe a, a reason for this, right? So you have in Kabbalah, in general, Kabbalah was hidden throughout the early Rishonim into the early Achran, and Kabbalah was mostly hidden. It was only by the Rizal when Kabbalah started becoming more of a a everyman thing, so to speak, right? And in, in Hasidus, when, when Hasidicism came around with the Baal Shem Tov, that's when it became even more accessible to the masses. And you find that the celebration of Lag Ma'imer really follows that pattern, where originally the Kabbalistic reason of Rav Shem is kind of hidden, and it's mostly about the cessation of the death. Then once Kabbalah starts getting involved, you have, okay, there's a deeper meaning to this day. There's a deeper significance, which is that it's Rav Shem Simcha. Why is it a Simcha? Well, there's a, a, new, a numerous reasons why it's a simple. First of all, it's the day that he got Kabbalah. Second of all, it's the day that he finished writing the Zohar. And then also it happens to be the day that he died, but that's not something we would celebrate necessarily. But then when Hasidus comes around, we have all explanations as to why we would celebrate a yard site of this tzaddik. And it's specifically this tzaddik. And you, you can find numerous reasons why this Rav Shimbar is different than, say, Maish when when people have accustomed to fast. On Zion Adar, but Rav Shembariachai, we celebrate his yard site. Why is that? So they give a few reasons. First of all, Rav Shembariachai, when he died, he revealed numerous aspects of Torah. While when Maisha died, uh, thousands of halachas were forgotten, as is testified in the Gemara. Right. If you look at that passage in the Zayar and Ezra most of that passage is actually dealing with the secrets he's now able to reveal on the day of his death. So again, that would be a major reason for the day of his death um, being a special day. Another reason given is that Maisha Rabbeinu never entered Eretz Yisrael, which is a, a lifelong dream of his, a lifelong goal. And for him, it was, so to speak, an incomplete life, while Rav Shemberiach, I felt complete with the way his life went. Especially There's... since he published the end of the Zohar at the end of his life. Idris Uto is when he published that on the day of his death. Right, and there's also a, a difference between revealing uh, the revealed aspects of Tyre and the hidden aspects of Tyre. There's different reasons given, um, but the point is that you can celebrate the same day for different reasons, and not say that they're mutually exclusive at all. And not only that, the Rajbi himself commanded and got upset when somebody didn't celebrate his day. Somebody said Nachim on his day, and he got very upset, and he said, this is my day of Simcha. So clearly there's a difference. Regardless of the reason you want to stick in, and that satisfies you, clearly there's a difference. Maish never commanded us to celebrate his day. We have a bunch of sources, starting from the Zayar all the way down, that Rajbi commanded us to celebrate on this day. Right. And just to kind of solidify this point that there's a difference between the revealed reason why we celebrate a Yom Tov and the Kabbalistic Hasidic reason. The Alter Rebbe, the, the Shulchan Archerav, the first Chabad Rebbe. So in the Shulchan Archerav, when he's saying the reason why we celebrate Lag Bimer, he says, because that's the day that, not the Kabbalistic reason of that's the day Roshim Baruch died or that's the day of the Rosh Simcha, he says it's the day that the 24,000 students stopped dying, which is the reason given in the Nigla, in the revealed aspects of Tyra. But in his Siddur, when he's giving a more Kabbalistic Hasidic explanation, he says that's the day of the Rajbi's Simcha, that's the day of the Rajbi's death, and that's the reason we celebrate Lagbimer. Now, I just want to finish off with a quote from the Shalos Mishubis Demi who was a grandson of the Shulchan Harav, and he himself notes that there's a printing mistake in the Piyot Chaim, that it said, Shameach, not Shemez. However, he concludes, Ach, Hamafursemes, ain't it's so public, you don't need a Raya. It's already been public amongst the Jewish people from generation to generation, that Rajbi died on Lag Baimer. Because again, Yem Sevencha could reference a couple things in Rajbi's life. The fact that we have him as dying, he says in Mastama, Yesh Makarla Zabazar because Rizal. If it's so public and so spread within our tradition, there's obviously a source in the Zayar 
or in the case of Arizo. And that's another big difference between the academic way of approaching a sugya, a topic, and the, the Jewish from way of approaching. The academic will approach it assuming there is no source until I find a source. While the Jew will say, if so many Jews are doing it, and you see this in Shulchan Aruch, you see this in the Ramah, you see this in the Nisa Kalim, you see this in all the giants of Jewish tradition, that if they see that Jews are acting in a certain way, that they're naig a certain thing, they're, they have a custom of a certain thing, there's an assumption that there is a legitimate source. And not only that, especially a custom like this, which is endorsed and encouraged by the majority of the Gedolim of the past 300, 400 years. So at the end of the day, this log bimer, get out there, find a fire, dance around it, and if any academic tells you it's a Vitazara, throw him in there. Talking about mystical experiences, this episode was kindly sponsored by George Floyd's drug dealer. They say his drugs are literally to die for.